Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about food insecurity. Hunger is a crisis, not only in New York City, but around the country. And now there is a movement underway to consider food as a civil right, just like we do voting rights and other rights that we have in the United States. So we have a great panel to break this all down for us from all different angles. And I'm really excited to introduce you to them. Joining me is Trina Dunstan. She's a parent activist in Brownsville. That's in Brooklyn, New York for our our viewers and listeners uh, from around the world. She's also a volunteer community um, food program organizer. We're going to hear about those in just a few moments. Trina, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Also with us is uh, New York State Assembly member Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. She's a Democrat from Jackson Heights, and she's also been very active with, in a very hands-on way with this whole food issue. Jessica, great. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. We appreciate it. Also joining us is Stephen Grimaldi. He's the executive director of the New York Common Pantry. They run a variety of multi-level and multi-layered uh, food programs, which we're going to find out about as well. So, Stephen, thank you so much for joining us. Um, We appreciate it. Jessica, let me ask you, in terms of this issue, you've seen firsthand how serious it is. Where do you put this on the scale of concerns for our our city and our country? This is such a large concern. I think what we saw during the pandemic is a spotlight on the hunger issues. In New York State, over 2 million people are facing uh, hunger and over 600,000 are children. So in my community during the pandemic, we saw lines around food pantries wrapped blocks and blocks and blocks. And some of the food pantries that had popped up during the pandemic are still running with still deeply long lines. So there's a lot of work that we did um, at the state assembly. We recently passed a program called Nourish New York that got food from the farms upstate. We have a robust farming community in New York and made sure they got routed to food banks um, in New York City and throughout the state. And we also pass legislation that allows people to use SNAP benefits, not just to buy food at the grocery store, but to buy hot food in restaurants as well to help alleviate hunger. So a lot of issues. <clears throat> Trina, Trina, in your community in Brownsville is one of the most under-resourced communities in the United States. A lot of a lot of issues with trying to get access to food. What made you, te- you've, you've been an active parent of your two girls uh, for a long, long time with the schools, but what made you really want to get involved in such a grassroots way in this issue? Um, what made me want to get, um, you know, involved in it is like um, Jessica was saying, um, we're in, I live in a low um, income neighborhood. So what we did was we bought a market to the school. The school, um, the market was called Seas in the Middle. Um, it was run by our, organ- our organization. Um, her name was Miss Nancy Katz. Um, what we did was we bought, fre- we actually bought fresh fruits and vegetables um, to the school. Also, we took um, SNAP benefits. We also gave out health bucks, which um, parents and students was actually able to use those health bucks to take off, um, you know, whatever they purchased. So say, for instance, you buy a $20 bag from season in the middle. You give us $10 in health bucks. You actually pay $10 from the bag. I mean, for the bag. We also have it now where we have the parents where we're letting them pre-order. So we sent out the flyer. Um, the parents, as well as the students, are allowed to pre-order with us. Um, Nancy puts the bags together, and she delivers them to the school. In addition to that, um, also um, me and another um, parent, Miss um, Cathedral Mann, 
Um, we're in the process of setting up a healthy food cafe um, because we noticed that in the low income neighborhood that we're in, a lot of, um, you know, um, families, they don't have access to um, healthy, healthy eating. We don't have um, supermarkets such as Trader Joe's. So basically, it's really hard for us to get our hands on um, healthy food. So like I'm just so like you know and you're helping you're hel- helping people do that in so many ways and then you had the the green market during the summer we're gonna hear more about that let me just bring Stephen in right now Stephen as you you have kind of an overview of the of this whole issue with the different programs that New York Common Pantry runs give us a sense of is the problem getting worse has the, have things gotten more challenging for people in terms of food and you know it's it's having food period then also having food that can really keep you healthy, especially as we are going through a pandemic. Absolutely. So I, I think just to frame the, the, the conversation a bit here, food insecurity was an issue, obviously, before the pandemic. There was an estimated 1.2 million New Yorkers who were considered food insecure, who cutting back on quality or the quantity of food throughout the course of the year. And that number actually had gone down. So I feel like we had made some inroads here in the emergency feeding network and supplemental food network um, organizations like the New York Common Pantry uh, through mobile outreach and things. The pandemic comes and overnight that number doubles. Um, As the assembly member mentioned, it was uh, really, really striking. And what, what happened is that a lot of organizations reached out to places like the New York Common Pantry. Emergency food programs just popped up overnight, uh, organizations that didn't necessarily have this experience doing it, um, but really addressed the need. And so what we've seen, we're over 13 and a half million meals served since the pandemic began. We've got hundreds of sites, our mobile pantry program, and just the the need continues to rise. We saw a 28% increase last year, and we're on pace for, um, luckily that number, that increase has gone down, but it's still a 16% increase this year. So if you layer this year after year, the number of meals will serve 9 million meals this year alone. All right, we're gonna talk about this um, coming up on Street Soldiers. How real is this issue? What is it like when you're going through it? And also what about the difficulty of getting healthy food? Is that contributing to a lot of the illnesses and, and some of the health issues that people in our communities are facing. That's coming up on Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're talking about food insecurity, but the even larger issue is food a civil right. That's what some people are saying, and that's how some people believe it should be considered now as we see the hunger crisis continue to grow, not just in New York City, but all around the country. Joining me for this conversation, all of our guests on this panel are involved in trying to help with this problem and try to help keep people healthy and fed. Joining me is Trina Dunstan. She's a parent activist and a volunteer community food program organizer in her community of Brownsville. Trina, great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Also joining us, Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. She's a um, Democratic Assembly member from Jackson Heights. She's been personally involved in a lot of the food efforts that have been going on there, especially throughout the uh, pandemic. Jessica, great to have you with us. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you so much. Also joining us, Stephen Grimaldi. He's the executive director of the New York Common Pantry. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. 
Jessica, in in terms of in terms of the scope of the issue, you you wanted to to bring up some points about that. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, you mentioned is food a civil right, and I have to say it is right. The right to food was recognized in 1948 by the United Nations. So that's something really important to ground our conversation. And and Stephen was talking about his work at Common Pantry. And I have to share a really incredible story. There was a group of mostly transgender and queer community members um, who were in need of food during the pandemic. And many of them actually came together to start a pantry. Um, Many took food home themselves at the end of the day, but that volunteer effort um, became the Love Wins Food Pantry, and and uh, Common Pantry has supported uh, meals to the to the program. And again, it's an effort that was just really, really empowering because it was fully volunteer. It was fully led by marginalized communities. Some of them came up uh, dressed in drag to give out the food. So the folks in line were 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 overjoyed to see someone, you know, um, in in drag and and giving out the food. And it was such a beautiful energy because again, many of these people were. Suffering, right, when um, the clubs were closing down and they didn't have access to work and, and, and money and resources. Um, but the fact that they came together when they saw a need that they had themselves to serve the community has just been a, a sort of beautiful outcome of a really, really difficult experience. Exactly. Trina, in terms of in terms of your community in Brownsville, for people, um, people who are not familiar with, with the food challenges there, tell us what it's been like for you as a parent. I know you, you you're daughter was telling you about different types of food things and you've tried to raise them your kids with you know as healthy a food as possible but it's a real challenge yeah it it really is um my older daughter um she does um try to get the family to eat healthy but like I said living in the community that we are in in Brownville we don't have like healthy um food markets we don't um I have my 10-year-old, he is kind of on the chunky side, um, and it's all contributed to, you know, not being able to have access to um to healthy food. Um, the neighborhood that I live in, all we have access to are McDonald's, Kentucky Fried Chicken, um, all this un- all this unhealthy stuff that's not um that's not good. And then, you know, like I said, that's why I advocate for the parents as well as the children um, that, you know, we need to have more um, healthy markets or stores come to the community. We really don't need um, a lot of churches. We don't need nail salons. We need a healthy market where we can eat healthy. Our children can eat healthy. Like Jessica said, it is a, um, it, it is, it's a right. Um, We did a walk um, from Brooklyn Barrel Hall to City Hall. And that's when the former mayor was in office. Um, we had some students speak out. We walked over the bridge and we was like, you know, we deserve healthy, healthy choices. And as for that, Stephen, in, ter- in terms of the work, the work that uh, New York Common Pantry is doing, can you give it give us a little bit of an idea? Because I know you have different types of programs. Well, you know, you, you asked the question about is is food a civil right? Yeah, let me get your we, answer on that first. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I think that what we we do here is that we look at every individual truly as an individual, but of course, as part of a of a larger group of those who who have needs. And so, what we do is try to to serve every single person that comes through our door. So, yes, we've got programs for seniors, homeless service programs, food for seniors, um, food for the homeless, hot meal prepared meals, brown bag programs. We've got a pantry program that distributes not only at brick and mortar locations in Harlem and and in the South. South Bronx, and um, but also through our mobile pantry distribution programs and partnering with with Love like uh, Love Wins and and a whole host of others, um, and that's really the way that we ensure access for everyone who needs it. And truly, like it's in the in the actual practitioner, you know, in in, in the practice that that we engage in every day, we truly make sure that people have access to food. One of the stumbling blocks in our city. Um, is that, you know, there are uh, all sorts of individuals, some, some folks who are really, really struggling to make ends meet, um, who may be unemployed, and then folks who are employed, who are working families, who at $15, even at $15 an hour, um, if you look at that at $31,000 a year, that is not enough to make ends meet. So right. folks have to come in the door. There, Some of those folks are not eligible for a variety of government resources. We help helping folks who are working. Mind you, quote unquote, playing by the rules. Remember that term? Um, and who are literally working multiple jobs and can't make ends meet. That is an absolute tragedy um, in our society. So what we work is really hard to make sure that everyone has access. So we do believe in the fundamental right of every person to, to get food. All right. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. Yo, what up? This your homie Ace Hood. And this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real poly tricks and real people only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Should food be a civil right? That's what we're talking about with our guests. Joining me for this panel, Trina Dunstan. She's a parent activist in Brownsville, a volunteer community food program organizer. And uh, Trina, thank you so much for being with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Also joining us, Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. She's a New York State Assembly member, Democrat from Jackson Heights. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Lisa. We appreciate it. Also with us, Stephen Grimaldi. He's the executive director of the New York Common Pantry. They feed, Stephen, how many people? A lot of people every single year. Half a million visitors. Half a million visitors, as they call it. Okay. And so they have a lot of different multi-layered programs. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Jessica, the when mm-hmm. you, when you hear about these communities, is there enough support? Do you think available to groups and parents like Trina? I mean, she's literally out there in front of the school with two of her friends, and they're getting these bags together. And they had the the market during the summer when the weather was was fine, and getting these bags of fresh food into the kids' hands. Is there enough support for parents who want to just take it, you know, take on that responsibility themselves? Yeah, I think what what I'm really inspired by, so there's not enough support and we're we're fighting to get more resources to communities, but what I am really deeply inspired by are families and and advocates like Tahira, um, like the community members that I work closely with at the Love Wins Food Pantry, because it's really energized the community to um, not just see the problem through their own lens, right, their own hunger, um, but to see it as, as a systemic issue and a systemic problem. And, you know, I'm really 
inspired and want to really support the efforts of organizers, people coming together and creating their own solutions. What we need to do now is fund those, invest in those solutions, right? Because they're community driven, they're led by people most impacted. Um, and that's really important. Um, and it, we really need to, again, continue to shine the light on this issue because there's so many families impacted this. And again, so many children who are impacted by food insecurity. And, you know, in a state like New York, one of the richest states in the nation, right. no person should be hungry ever. We just, right. just use. Trina, you have schools, some, some of the schools, you know, some of the schools in your community, they are starting Saturday programs just so they can qualify for federal food programs for the kids. They, the teachers stuff the kids' backpacks on Friday. So they'll have some, some granola bars or cereal or whatever they can, they can get their hands on. So the kids have food over the weekend. What kind of support would you like to see for what you're doing and the other parents? Well, what we started, um, actually, um, the person who owns our organization, sees in the middle, Miss um, Nancy Katz, um, Jessica. Um, what we're trying to do is, um, Nancy did put in a grant for me and another parent to start up a healthy food cafe. Mm. So um, we would like to start that up. Um, where, you know, we can get the parents out. Maybe we could get some parents to come and help us. We'll be doing like healthy sandwiches and stuff. And we're looking for like more support um, as far as like, you know, we need more parent um, involvement. We need more parent volunteers to help us, you know, get the word out about the market. We don't only do the um, season in the middle at 284. We have another um, school who partners um, with the um, program as well. But they do, um, like, you know, they do a better outcome because, like Jessica was saying and Stephen was saying, we don't have that many parents involved. We need to get more parents um, involved. If you want your child to live a healthy lifestyle, you have to advocate for your child. That's why I'm out here advocating for my children. That's why I'm out here advocating for myself. I deserve to be healthy. My children deserve to be healthy. And I feel that all the children, as well as the parents in the Brownville community, they deserve to be healthy also. We shouldn't have to be subjected to obesity. I agree. Right? And, and, you know, if I could just add, because I think the good work that, that people like Trina are doing, it's really important because in the communities, communities like Brownsville um, and communities across our city, um, you know, food related chronic disease is higher than in other communities. And we just know that. I mean, the, the data is so clear type two diabetes, uh, high blood pressure, heart disease, obesity. And what is that? Those are food related chronic diseases. Those are things that have to do with nutrition. So what we try to do at the New York Common Pantry is 40% of our food is actually fresh food, fresh uh, vegetables and fruit. It's really important to get that food there because the point being made is that these food markets don't exist in a lot of in communities, in many of the communities. So you can take your SNAP benefit and, um, and oftentimes, you know, there are not those choices and that is a challenge. So SNAP is absolutely essential, but we do need um, to have diversified food options. Um, and whether that's in special enterprise zones or whatever ha happens, I do want to also say that the New York State Nourish Program, which was mentioned earlier, is absolutely a fantastic program. So we want to uh, thank Jessica and, and um, you know, members in, in, um, in, in government at the state level for getting those resources because they uh, to, to emergency food programs because they allow us to buy fresh food, support New York farmers. That's a yes. win-win. 
And let's not forget that we support the 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 markets, right? We're supporting green markets and we're supporting supermarkets and we're allowing those resources to come because people are spending their money um, through the SNAP benefit. And now we're helping farmers because we've got the New York State Nourish program. So these are sort of win-wins where there's an economic benefit and there's also a benefit to the individual and the people that we serve. Those are the sort of wins that everyone can jump on. There's an economic benefit and there's a sort of a, a civil benefit as well. And there's, there's something else I want to add too, and I think Stephen, you alluded to this earlier as well. You know, it, it, the issue is not just simply lack of food, right? I, I believe every fight is intersectional, right? We have to look at the ways in which people who don't have access to healthy food also don't ha- have access to, you know, healthcare, right? Quality healthcare. They don't have access, oftentimes, to housing, right? They don't have access to, you know, economic opportunity. So we have to look at this fight holistically. And one thing that we've done at the Love Wind Food Pantry is that while people are lined up, right, we had the New York City Cares Program advocates come and and sign up people for healthcare or talk about vaccines, right, and make sure we have, you know, a vaccine bus or, or testing or other resources there for families that are waiting for food. So it's sort of become like a hub of information and resources because we know folks are lining up for the food, um, but we recognize that food is not just, it's its its an outcome of a system that's sick, right? That's broken. We have to actually make sure that our communities are getting information to solve the other conditions that they're facing um, beyond food security. So that's a really important point. And that's why, again, the activism that I'm seeing is really exciting. The one other thing I just wanna lift up to, community fridges. In Jackson Heights and oh, in yes, the community fridges, Corona, yeah. people put a fridge up and literally it's like donate food or take food if you need it. And as someone who lives around the corner from a fridge, I don't I'm not a great cook. So sometimes I buy food and it, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, I may not make this, you know, and I want to make sure it's still fresh. It's still good. So I'll bring the package down to the fridge. And literally minutes later, there's someone that's going to take that, you know, fresh vegetable that, you know, won't rot in my fridge, will be eaten and and, and nourish another family member. So Jessica, it's such you a should, great model and totally volunteer. Jessica, you should participate in our Live Healthy program. We teach folks how to, how to prepare fresh uh, food <laughs> that we provide. It's virtual. You don't even have to come. It's great. <laughs> what about the, what about the, the program for Brownsville? We got to get you connected with Trina there. Yes. With the, and, and yeah, because what Stephen was saying, um, what he was saying to Live Light, because um, my daughter, her nutritionist, actually had a program, and it really was helping mm-hmm. my 10-year-old. Um, it was called the Live Light, Live Right um, program. And at the time, my mm-hmm. daughter, she was losing a substantial amount of weight. But then, mm-hmm. like, you know, once the pandemic hit, all the weight came back. And then, like, you know, to piggyback off of what Jessica and what Stephen was saying about, you know, that happens to me quite often. Um, You know, you get your SNAP benefits. And then towards the end of the month, you know, you go to open up your refrigerator or you go to open up your freezer and you're looking and you're like, oh, my goodness, like. There's nothing in the fridge. There's nothing in the um. There's nothing in the refrigerator. It's nothing in the freezer, and you know, even to go outside to um to order something, if you go to even order food, you can't even order nothing, nothing healthy. Because when you go on these websites or whatever, like Uber Eats and DoorDash, they have McDonald's, they got Wendy's, KFC, and you know, like we've been saying on this panel, that leads to obesity. Um, hypertension, which I suffer from hypertension, 
Um, you know, I have diabetes that run in my family. I don't want, you know, I don't want my children to be subjected to become diabetic. So, you know, I just feel as a community, we have to do better. Like we literally need to come together. I don't know how we would get to do it, but I would love to work with Steven and Jessica as far as Brownville. Like maybe we could get some petition going or something. Let us fight or something to get some supermarkets around here that got some healthy, that got some healthy fruits and vegetables for our children. Yeah, definitely. All right, this is Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. Should food be a civil right? Should it be guaranteed? Should you be entitled to have healthy food available to you whatever you need so that you're not hungry and so that what you do eat is healthy. The same way we have other rights that are guaranteed to us. That's what we're talking about in this episode of Street Soldiers, taking a look at the whole issue of food insecurity, hunger, these food deserts, and also you know what people are doing to try to make things better because there are a lot of efforts that are underway as well. Joining me for this conversation, Trina Dunstan. She's a parent activist and also a volunteer community a food program organizer with a couple of different programs. Trina, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. So glad to be here. Thank you. Also with us is Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. She's a, a Democratic Assembly member from Jackson Heights, also a very active in the local food pantry there as well. Jessica, thank you so much for being with us. So happy to be here. Thank you. Also joining us, Stephen Grimaldi. He's the executive director of the New York Common Pantry. Stephen, thank you so much for being with us. It's an honor. Thank you. We appreciate it. Stephen, what do you guys do to try to um, bring some, uh, bring an oasis into these food deserts? So one of the things that we realized many years ago is that um, people were coming from all over the city to our East Harlem location. Literally people coming from Ozone Park, coming from the northern part of the Bronx, people coming from Staten Island, people coming from the heart of Brooklyn. Head scratcher. Why? So yes, there are pantries all over our city, but many of them sometimes were running out of food. Oftentimes they're volunteer led, which is wonderful, but at some time volunteers sometimes can't get there. They have other responsibilities. So what we're finding, and then sometimes there were restrictions in the food and sometimes because it wasn't enough. So what we did was we began a mobile approach. So we have brick and mortar locations, as I mentioned earlier, but we have hundreds of sites that we partner with. These are freestanding organizations that do other things, great work. We help pantries that want to start. We help them start. We provide food to them. But we also help others like, you know, early education programs, uh, public housing. Um, Those are the ways. But we have to do more. And, you know, the reality is, is that there is not enough. Uh, we need wage uh, structuring, restructuring. We talked about that earlier. The SNAP benefit, the threshold can be changed. There are lots of things that we can do as uh, as not only at the New York Common Pantry to help people, but there are many, many, many challenges. Um, and New York State Nourish Funds are examples, but we need government infusion, but we also need um, to, to think about ways to uh, provide healthier alternatives. So it's not just about food security, but perhaps nutrition security should be the real term that we mm-hmm. think about because there's lots of food in these communities. There's just not enough healthy food. Not the, not the healthy food, like, like Trina, Trina's been saying in the, in the food deserts, right. 
Jessica, in terms in terms of these food deserts, you look at the you look at the zip codes, you look at the communities, and they're they're the communities where there's the highest rates of of various health issues, where we saw the most uh, most heavily impacted throughout the the COVID nineteen pandemic, and the connection seems obvious. Why is it so hard to get people to recognize that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it was really difficult, and it wasn't until uh, reporters like you and others that were really highlighting those lines, right, and it showed you know, just fast footage of blocks and blocks and blocks and blocks of people lining up. And I think finally, you know, a lot of other elected saw it as a crisis. Um, And I really do want to highlight um, the Nourish New York program because my uh, neighboring assemblywoman, Catalina Cruz, who, you know, she herself is formally undocumented. You know, we represent um, communities that are a large immigrant immigrant population that often don't qualify for a lot of these programs because of their immigration status. So programs like Nourish New York um, was really vital in farms upstate New York where they were dumping milk because they couldn't get it and they couldn't sell it and couldn't get it down to the communities that needed it most. That was just horrific, a a waste of of, of food um, when people were literally starving. So this program is just really exciting because it gets food um, from the farms, again, in New York, so we're supporting our farmers um, and getting them to communities in need. So, you know, those are one of the solutions that we came up with, but there's a lot more work to do because, again, we still see lines of people. We still recognize that food insecurity exists. And as we've been saying on this program, it's not just lack of food, it's a lack of healthy, nutritious food so that our communities, our children and our families could be healthy. And that's so critical. Karina, on your vi- on your vision board of what you would like to see in your community, what would you like to see, and in terms of in terms of your efforts too? Well, I just want to say that you know um, I agree with everybody on the panel. Just like um, homelessness is a problem, us not having enough food is also a problem. So, what I would like to see, um, I would like to work with Mayor Adams into like basically trying to bring. Like maybe like what Stephen does, like bring something in the community where we can actually give out food to families who don't, you know, they might get SNAP benefits, but the SNAP benefits is not enough to feed themselves and to feed the children. We do have a place that is um, it's associated with Gregory Jocko Jackson School, where my daughter goes to school. They do have a center that's right across the street from where I live at. Um, on Wednesdays, they do give out um, milk, they give out vegetables and stuff like that. But like Jessica say, said, um, a lot of time the p- people come and they take it and you throw it out. So in my, you know, in my opinion, you shouldn't take something that you're not going to use because right. what you're throwing out, somebody else can, um, somebody else can use that. I mean, I went there last Wednesday and they gave me like two gallons of milk. And I don't drink milk, but my other daughter drinks milk. So like that milk actually came in handy for my children. Right. No, ab- ab- absolutely. And Go ahead, Stephen. Sorry, I was I was just going to add because I think the mayor wants to lead on food. And I think, you know, it was uh, Trina mentioned the mayor, uh, Mayor Adams. I think that, you know, he wants to lead on urban agriculture. I think he's got a, a food forward agenda. I'm hopeful that we can. Um, address some of these issues, and and I think that's uh, probably a conversation for for a, another another panel. But I I think that there is some some real hope that in the city that we can address some of these issues because we know how important it is to the mayor. 
And what kind, what would some of those measures, what, what would some new new measures be? Is it is it just a is it really is it just a question of funding or is it a question of because it seems pretty simple? Well, you know, one, one of the things, and I'm not an expert on urban agriculture, but you know, the, these local farms and people can actually use uh, you know, lots to, to grow food is something fantastic. So, you know, Trina is talking about there's not enough food. Well, let's grow our own food. You know, there's a whole food sovereignty movement. It doesn't have to be an international. It can be right here local. That's one thing. Um, more resources for, uh, for food, allowing organizations like us to have the independence to purchase food from, from vendors, from farmers, instead of going through a variety of different channels. Those are things combining resources, minimizing bureaucracy. Those are things are things that are very much inside baseball, if you will, but they're really helpful because they will allow organizations like mine to, to function. Um, uh, I, I think those are some of the things that that um, we can move forward. And I also think he's going to, I imagine, I know there's been some conversation about institutional food, bettering, uh, better food options. You know, he's a big plant Like in the schools too for the kids. Forward, yeah, yeah, plant forward schools, hospitals, prisons. Um, so I'm hopeful um, that 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 there'll be some some movement on those issues. Jessica, what what well, about that example from Miriam's? Because oh, go ahead, Trina. Yeah, I agree with what Stephen was saying. Because like right outside my door, I live in public housing, right here in front of the door. That's something else that um, Nancy was trying to work with, um, but we don't know how to go about it. There's a whole empty spot right here with a big old tree. That what Stephen was saying. We wanted to start up. Uh, a little garden right there. So, you know, I would like to ask, you know, Mayor Adams, how can we go about, you know, applying for a grant to do a garden outside, you know, outside the front of my building? Right, the development. And there were actually the um, the Andrew Jackson houses in the Bronx, they took, the, it wasn't a big, a big piece of land, but they had a piece of land and they, you know, secured it. They made it so, you know, people didn't just walk, walk all over it when they're taking a shortcut around around the corner and started growing right. tomatoes they started growing vegetables other vegetables and it's it's doing it's doing very very well so that's a great idea mm -hmm. and it, it is being yeah. done in some of the NYCHA developments which 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 is great to see Jessica in terms of mm -hmm. the in terms of this you know the mayor is a vegan he's he's talked a lot about how his diet helped him deal with a, a family you know family's history of diabetes and his mm -hmm. his own health is that does that have an does that kind of raise the bar on the awareness about this issue? Does that help? I think so. I think we have to talk about food and 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 health and nutrition and being active as well. And I do think we need to and have this conversation and dialogue in schools. Right, many schools have roofs that we can build. You know, community gardens. Um, many schools do, and they teach uh, students horticulture. Um, but it's really important to think about not just plants and flowers, but actual food and growing food. And the green markets are just a great example. I have one in my community. Um, it's very vibrant. It comes every Sunday in the snow and everything. Um, and it's really important that we're understanding where our food is coming from um, and make sure that we have access to healthy options so that we're having these conversations in, in the schools, having conversations in the community, and really listening to those at the front lines um, that are creating these amazing programs like the Love Wins Food Pantry and, and like um, the work that Trina is doing. So I think it's it's really exciting. We just need to continue to invest in those in those efforts and really change the narrative, right? And and you know, the fast food industry has a responsibility to really start changing the way their menus look. Um, I don't eat fast food personally, um, but I know sometimes it is what's in communities, and and we really really need to change that. Right, but it's it's like if you if you have two dollars and you you're hungry, 
and you're in an under-resourced community, it's like you're going to go into the corner store and whatever's there that you can afford or that you can get is not necessarily going to be like a whole grain this or a, you know. Exactly. And I think too, you know, I want to lift up. I'm a real advocate of, of the street vendors in our community. They've often yes. been the frontline workers and many of them have set up fruit stands and vegetable stands. And, right. you know, they're, they're really important to our community and we have to make sure that they're supported and recognized too, because we saw actually in the Bronx um, police raiding a street vendor and throwing out again, fresh foods and festivals. That is that is horrific when people are starving. So I want to lift up the work and, and honor our street vendors that are also feeding our community. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Def- definitely. Stephen, final word, anything you think could be done to, you know, see, see a real change for the better in this area? That's a big question, well, but well, I often just get something you know, that, that you, maybe you see like from your, you know, your hands on every single day where you're like, gosh, if we could just do this or this just was, yeah. yeah, I think what we need to do is not after the pandemic is over, whenever that may be, not forget about food insecurity. Mm. This happens every time there's a crisis. You know, it happened after 9-11 and happened after the crash. Every single crisis, there's this spike. And then we forget. And then food insecurity exists in our communities. We have to remember that, you know, on the anniversary of uh, Martin Luther King's, uh, you know, birthday that, you know, we have to remember that, you know, he, he talked about the, having the audacity to believe that people have the right to three meals a day. We have to continue that flame. Um, I think there's a lot of work individuals can do. Come volunteer, come work. And people say, I don't have a lot of resources to give. Give your time. You know, the, the sweat equity is absolutely essential to making sure, you know, that saves organizations like the New York Common Pantry millions of dollars every year by people coming to volunteer. So if you can't donate, and if you can donate, come, please do. do not just in your Common Pantry, your organization, your community, whatever, but think about food insecurity as an issue. And, and Trina, in, ter- in terms of what you'd like to say, especially to the other parents and the other, other community members about what you're doing. All I'm going to tell the other parents is to continue to um, be like me, be an active parent, continue to fight for the rights of yourself as well as your children. Um, Y'all deserve to be healthy. We deserve to be healthy. So it's just going to be my mission to continue to fight, (laughs) to fight to, um, you know, get healthy food choices for um, for my community, for the other communities, for the um, other parents, for all the children. So I'm going to continue to fight. All right. That's fantastic. Jessica, final word. Oh, I love it. I mean, everything that everyone said, I think, again, we have to continue having these important conversations because we can't go back to normal, right? Normal didn't serve us. um, And in fact, hid uh, our hungry from plain sight. And we need to continue to put the spotlight on this issue and dedicate resources and support the activism that's happening in the community. Would the New York State Assembly ever do something like declare food a civil right here in New York State? Oh, I love it. I love it. Yes. I mean, I believe it is. We're fighting for it. So I, I, I want to continue to fight to make sure that we're coming out with solutions um, and investments. In, in in well. All right. Well, I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers, Trina Dunstan, parent activist. Thanks so much for being with us, Trina. We appreciate it. Um, Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, assembly member from Jackson Heights. Thank you so much for being with us. And Stephen Grimaldi, executive director of New York Common Pantry. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Street Soldiers. And of course, thank you for joining us uh, for this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers, your host. Remember, use your mind. It's your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.